Season 2, Episode 6 of the Talking Ball Y'all Podcast, sponsored by Mugshots Grill and Bar, Katie Cake and Company, located on West Canal Street in Picayune, Pearl River Community College, Stonewalls Barbecue and Catering, Advantage Insurance Company, located on Highway 11 North in Picayune, and Bank Plus. On this episode, we will have some roundtable football discussions with some local coaches in our area. We will also have an interview with former USM quarterback Lee Roberts to talk about the USM-Auburn game this weekend. And we will also sit down with John Wiener with Bash Brothers Media to talk about his upcoming series between the Pines. Hope you enjoy. We're going to get into tonight's roundtable portion of the podcast here, Clay, and uh, we're going to start with some JUCO action. We always go back uh, to the previous Thursday, and this JUCO uh, this JUCO action of the roundtable will be brought to you by Pearl River Community College. Um, East Central 24, PRCC 21, Clay. Uh, another hard-fought loss on the field uh, for the Wildcats. Wildcats will be at Hines uh, this week, and East Central will go uh, to East Mississippi. So two, two uh, tough ball games coming up this, uh, this next Thursday. Yep. Um, Pearl River uh, Community College still looking – for that first win, as you've mentioned. And that's just a tough league. Uh, if you're not playing real good, you can go south very quickly. And uh, the Wildcats going to have to turn it around, and it's a tough group in that uh, conference to turn it around as you've gotten in the south division play. You go on the road uh, to Hines. When you look and you've got it laid out here in front of us, Jeff, the, the national polls clearly speak into just how tough – this state is in junior college football. Yeah, you talking about the national polls, Mississippi, JUCO, North or South Division uh, teams are rolling. Number one, East Mississippi. Number three, Northwest. Number nine, Jones. Number fourteen, Holmes. Fourteen, Mississippi Gulf Coast. There's two tied at fourteen there, and then number twenty, East Central, who just beat uh, the Wildcats. So six teams in the top 20 is a, is a lot for uh, for one state. So it just shows you how tough Mississippi Juco is. Yep, but just to go back and then we'll move into high school action uh, on today's uh, episode. When you go back and look back a week, Jones and Mississippi Gulf Coast Tide locked into a really good one uh, last week. Jones was able to win that one 16-13 to our local listeners to the Pearl River uh, County area. Uh, Austin Bolton, of course, involved in that game for the Mississippi Gulf Coast Bulldogs. Playing a big part in that game was DJ Travis. Uh, DJ locked in an island out there at his cornerback position, and he did just what he used to do for the Popperville Hornets. That secondary for Jones is – is superb they were awesome against mississippi gulf coast uh four or five guys back in that secondary who can really really lock you up and of course dj travis one of those guys a former popperville hornet yep and then east mississippi of course rolled again 54 13 over mississippi delta got 17 first place votes number one in the nation so as we uh end the juco we'll just go right into some uh the high school portion of the round table and this will be brought to you by stonewalls barbecue and catering yep and when you look at uh high school action from just a week ago uh let's start down on the gulf coast Gulfport was able to take a tight win over St. Martin on the road against a really good St. Martin club. Ran off early and kind of left St. Martin. St. Martin showed their quality, though, got all the way back into that one just to lose a tight one, 35-34. to 34. And this is 6A football down on the Mississippi Gulf Coast. Harrison Central, a big win over Pascagoula. Harrison Central runs their record out to 4-1. and one. They're off uh, to a very good start down there. Ocean Springs gets a win over Hancock at, on, on Hancock's field there. Hancock falls to 2-3. and three. Ocean Springs at 3-2. Uh, and two. Biloxi, a good win over a tough the Iverville club. Biloxi now 3-2. and two, Wins a 21-14 to 14 contest over the Iverville. Interesting, you know, you look at that 6A region on the coast. All the teams went on the road and got wins in that first week of region play so an interesting note there and we'll keep it uh ear and eye out on that coast region as we move through yep and then of course we're just going to start with the local action here coming up from the coast uh the popville hornets was off this past week but they'll go on the road uh this week at uh green town green county popville four and one green county four and two and that starts district play so that should be a real uh 
real good game to start a 4A district play. Yep, and when you look at that Greene County club, they're tough, as you've mentioned. They're 4-2. and two. They're on a four-game winning streak, and they're 4-0 and oh at home. Uh, a really good, well-coached club. We saw them kind of give Popperville fits four and a half last year, and that was at home against the dominant Popperville club from just a year ago. Now a Popperville club, who's very good, gotten off to a four and one start, and everybody knows uh, had a hiccup that first week against a quality Picayune team, but has rolled off four and really looked to be hitting their stride, get the bye week or the off week, heading into this Greene County uh, game. And, and this is a big match. Matchup in this region, Greene County um, has a win two weeks ago against a 5A Long Beach club. Beat them 41 to 21. Beat Moss Point last week 35 to 24. So this is a really good Greene County club, and and we know what we see Popperville every Friday night. We certainly know what uh, they're capable of. And Jeff, they're starting to get healthy, starting to really look like uh, what people thought this Popperville Hornet club would be. And so excited about that game. Can't wait to have the call for it on Friday night. Well, and me and you both know the the off and the people listening too. The Popperville Hornet faithful uh, are there and around and travel well. They know the offensive goods that Popperville has. But they also know the defensive goods that Popperville have, led by uh, defensive coordinator Tim Story, too. So that was the big turning point in the home game against Greene County last year was the defense in the second half. So, And then you talked about the team that Popperville uh, got beat by in the first game of the season was Picayune. Picayune Maroon tied big win over here against a district opponent in Wayne County, 60-33. Picayune gets ready to go on the road, second game in the district and face West Harrison. Yep, and we'll have a more in-depth look at that uh, with an interview with assistant coach Cody Stogner on that Picayune staff. Joining us tonight, Cody Stogner, uh, assistant coach there on Picayune Maroon Tide coaching staff and Cody, huge win over Wayne County last week, 60-33 to win in front of the home crowd. And um, I was at the game. Popperville was off, so I had the, the pleasure of being there. And to me, the from the get-go, the offensive line kind of set the tone with the way they were able to move Wayne County at the point of attack. Yeah, absolutely. We had us uh, – you know, we had the, the off week before Wayne County, so we had a good two weeks of uh, – preparation and you know we had some pretty good practices there for those two weeks and uh just we've gotten better shape and our guys learned a little bit more about what to do and why we got to do it and and uh it paid off Friday night Cody you look at what uh coach Lee has done year in and year out he schedules a tough uh pre-region schedule and just tell our listeners how that kind of helps from a coaching standpoint and from a player standpoint, let you know where you are going into region play. Well, I mean, just like Coach Lee has always said, I think it gets you battle-tested and gets you ready for your division. Uh, it also lets you know what, what, what type of football team you have. Uh, you know, we have the right players in the right position. Uh, you also get to know when you're playing those type of teams uh, the things you need to you can of the coach to help yourself and help the team get better. Um, you know that's that's always key. You always want to make sure you're getting better every day. And uh, playing playing out of this schedule like we do, I think that that uh, gives us a good look on film. Cody, I've like I said, Popperville. That's who we cover on a weekly basis on Friday night. So we were there that first ball game, and then got to see you this week. Something that jumps out about this club, y'all aren't big as far as numbers go, but y'all's offense and defensive line—that's big youngins, man. And they move people offensively, and then they're tough to move. Just talk to us about the line play that y'all have gotten on both sides of the ball so far. I think it's a product of you know the, the individuals of the guys themselves, you know, the work ethic they each have. Uh, you know, it all dates back to this summer with the uh, amount of work they put in, and uh, they all show up every day to work. I mean, you know, each each one of them is pretty special in their own way. Uh, I believe they all they all are in it to win, and they uh, you know they're a really tight group. They're really tight, and uh, I think that's a key, you know, between offense and defensive line. Um, they they communicate well with each other and 
Um, they're just, I mean, you, if, if you mean you've seen them, I mean, I feel like they're they're pretty talented as well, but they're also just good, good, good kids. You know, fun to be around, have a good time, uh, just like playing a game of football. You know, and Cody, you talked you talked about the tough uh, non district schedule. You talked to other some high school coaches. I had a chance to talk with uh, Coach Jacob Owen, and he called it like a preseason, uh, basically getting ready. Uh, for district play, well, you come out on top. Always a tough matchup. You never know what Wayne County is is gonna do. They're tough in, in uh, year in and year out. But to come out of that ball game with a one zero district schedule, you started zero zero basically back on the board, and then to come out with a your you know now you're one and zero in the district. How does that set the mood going forward this week as you get ready to travel down the West Harrison? Uh, well, I tell you what, Wayne County—they—they they were a young bunch, and uh, we're gonna hear a lot of the names from that that squad over the next couple of years. Uh, but just a, a win like this, just you know, kind of catapults you and puts you in the right direction for the district play. Uh, you always want to make sure you get that first win uh, because now, as you know, you said the district is a whole new season. Uh, I was listening to a coach speak the other night. He, you know, he said you got basically three different seasons in high school football. You've got the Non-district games is your first season, your district games your second season, and the playoff as your third season. And uh, so right now we're in our second season, and we're looking, uh, looking, taking one game at a time, and just uh, just making sure we get better and putting putting players in the right position, and and uh, just hoping they give us the best effort they can. Cody, we appreciate you joining us tonight, man, on the podcast. Good good luck this week over at West Harrison. Thank you, guys. Thank you for having me. And that was assistant coach Cody Stogner with the Picky Maroon Tide. And then, you know, Clay Hattiesburg rolling 5-0 and overall, 1-0 and in the district. Beat Gaucher this past week, 40-13. to And I'm going to jump right and say Stone beat West Harrison, 56-13. Stone's 1-0 and district. Hattiesburg's 1-0 and in district. And them two meet this Friday night. Yep, should be a really interesting game there. Uh, Coach Feaster and Stone, not the start that they wanted, but they didn't have Arrington either. Trey Arrington, a really talented player that they'll put back in that Wildcat formation or they'll set him aside the quarterback and give it to him. He was a missing piece. And now that they have him back, you see what the offense does. Puts up a 56 spot with Arrington back so look out stone what one and four or one and three on the year that's that's don't let don't be deceived by that they're better uh, than that record indicates and then you look at Gaucher you know Hattiesburg was able to handle them and that 40 to 13 but just listening to Charlie Rogers and that crew uh, that follow Hattiesburg that radio crew that was a close game. That w- they were locked up pretty tight at, at the half. half. Yeah, okay. a very close game. So a lot of people kind of wondering, right. where did Gaucher come from? Well, Gaucher's 3-2, and two, played Hattiesburg a very tight game through a half. That hadn't been said right. by a lot no, of people. No, and so look out. Gaucher's a, a good right. club. And well, this district's full of good teams, and it's going to be interesting to see the way it plays out. As only four get to go uh, to the playoffs. A lot of districts around the state, at 3-4 and four team that sneaks in, right sometimes can be clunkers. The three and four from this district probably won't be. Well, there's eight teams in the district, four go. And like you said, that number four is just as good as that number three or two in some aspects, uh, depending on where they fall. Uh, Last game we'll talk about high school-wise is PRC Long Beach. Big win for Coach Jacob Owen and them down there, 33-31. PRC, two and three overall, of course, one and no in the district. Uh, and they travel to Wayne County this week to start their second game in the district play. That'll be a good matchup, an interesting matchup, too, in Waynesboro. Yep, a huge win for uh, head coach Jacob Owen and, and his staff and that group of young men really trying to build something there in career. And um, that's that's big. Go on the road. You had to call or a pinch hitting for Eli and uh, – had the opportunity to listen to y'all some uh great job there jeff kind of made me uncomfortable exactly how well you were able to call play by play as you're normally uh to my right there providing color analysts and i got home uh was actually at picune's game and 
Uh, my son and I snuck up in the corner where we could listen to you and watch the game. And I told uh, my bride when I got home, I said, dang, Jeff was uncomfortably uh, good tonight <laughs> on a play-by-play call. So kudos to you and big kudos out uh, to the Pearl River Central Blue Devils. That is a huge win. And, and we'll expand on that some as we'll have a chance to visit now with defensive coordinator Chris Penton. We're fortunate enough to be joined by defensive coordinator at Pearl River Central High School, the Blue Devils. DC defensive coordinator Chris Penton joining us tonight. And Chris, huge win the other night. Get a road win to start district play. And your defense got the scoring started uh, with an early pick six. Talk to us about how that may have kind of set the tone the other night. Yeah, man, it was a big play to start it. We had talked about going into that game, how we needed something positive to happen right off the bat. We needed to go set the tone early. I told my kickoff team, when we kick the ball off, we got to go set the tone. Defense, we got to go set the tone for how this night's going to go. Let's go ahead and start it early. So we had an opportunity to do that. We came out. I felt like uh, I felt like we had a bad call in the pass interference play on third down. They got a, you know, got a new set of downs, but, you know, we responded quarterback probably should have took a sack floated one up there and uh you know our senior our senior secondary member damon anderson he played some corner played some safety for us he uh he was playing corner at the time just took advantage of a bad decision by the quarterback and and when he got in his hands he knew what to do with it he took it to the house anderson a good athlete a kid that we saw in the popperville game make a pretty catch when y'all put him in at wide receiver against Popperville. A kid we saw take some snaps at quarterback last year. He seems like a, a a really good athlete that, as you've said, can kind of plug and play in some different spots. Yeah, man, uh, definitely Damon. Uh, yeah, he does a lot of stuff for us. You know, he, he, he's a punt returner. He, he, you know, just kick return. It really probably got the best hands on the team, um, you know, and so, so he, you know, he does a lot of things for us and, and uh, we're we're counting on him, you know. I told him, listen, you know, this is this is big, man. We're counting on you, and and, and he definitely he didn't disappoint right there. Chris, when you're looking at film going into last week's game, Long Beach, the Crosby kid, can spin it as well, probably as anybody in the south end of the state. And and y'all get a touchdown, which kind of erases some of their scoring, but they put a couple drives together against y'all but y'all got some stops at the end of the game when you needed it. Describe what your defense against a tough unit. That Long Beach offense is good and going to give some people in this district fits, but proud of the uh, effort your defense gave? Yeah, no doubt, man. Uh, the, the, speaking on Crosby, the quarterback, uh, you know, honestly probably the best throwing quarterback in our district. And, and I know we're going to face some good ones to come, but as far as – being able to spin the football and throw that thing. And he threw some dimes out there. He's a great quarterback. I think right now he's sitting at about 14, 1,500 passing yards, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions. So I knew, we knew going in that, uh, that we were going to, we were going to have to defend a, a, a good quarterback. Uh, but that being said, you know, uh, we, we did, we had to respond to adversity and we knew that going in. A Monday at practice, our, our senior safety, Noah A. Bear, broke his ankle in practice. Um, and, and without him, we knew that we were going to be counting on some young guys. Uh, our running back, Dietrich Spikes, rolled his ankle in the, in the first half. So in the second half, uh, we rolled out with three sophomores in the secondary. And against uh, an experienced wide receiver crew, the core, you know, against a, an, ex- an experienced quarterback. Crosby's a junior, but he's been starting uh, since he's a freshman. And we knew that we were going to face some adversity in that game, and we had talked about that going in. Adversity is going to strike us at some point. But we just have to battle back, and, and and you know we had a 27 to 10 lead in a matter of 11 plays. That 27 to 10 lead went from 27 to 10 up down 31 27 in 11 plays. So mm-hmm. you know that that adversity that adversity showed itself right there in the second half. But I couldn't be more proud of a, of not just the defense, but the offense to come out after that to settle down, drive the football, run it down on Beach's throat, get a touchdown, get us the lead and then give the opportunity to the back of the defense to, to hold them out. So, yeah, I definitely couldn't be, couldn't be more proud of their effort, couldn't be more proud of them for responding to adversity when it struck, because it struck. Yeah, uh, 
Chris, this is Jeff Lossett here, and I was uh, fortunate enough to be on the call for the ball game, doing play-by-play, filling in for uh, Eli there. And just uh, I didn't think as a play-by-play caller that Long Beach was going to go for the field goal. And then me and Scooter was both up there looking, okay, the defense has got to come up with something right here. And then you called the timeout, brought the defense back. What was the – and I seen it from across the field, but what was the emotion on the sideline after the young man blocked the field goal and then it happened to go out of bounds? And then you just knew it was one play and that was victory formation. Yeah, that the turn of emotions in that, that amount of time, in that short amount of time, it, it, it was incredible. Because like, like you said, when we called time out there, it was fourth and one. Well, they, they didn't – they hadn't really been able to run the football all night. I think they finished with seven rushing yards. Andrews finished with 21 rushing yards. So they hadn't been able to run the, the football all night. Fourth and one there. It, they were kind of in a spot where they could go for it, but I did feel like they were going to kick it. So in the, during the timeout, we had to, I had to call a play for defense. Okay, if they come out with their offense here because if we call the timeout, we've got to run this stunt right here. Okay? Secondary cover them up. If they come out and, and – if they come out and – field goal here's the block we're running because we had a block in and, and actually we missed up we missed an extra point early in the game Damon Anderson had one go right through his hand well then after that block they Damon told me he said coach they're calling me out every time so we said okay okay so we got something so we, we moved Damon to the edge and they uh and like we expected they blocked out blocked out and I sent linebacker we sent linebacker B gap and and Clay Spears ended up blocking that sucker with his face mask. And uh, then the emotional turn there, just, I mean, just, I mean, you saw it. You know, it, it was, uh, it was, it was incredible. Just a, just a, a game couldn't have ended any better. Um, just a lot of excitement, a lot of emotion on the sideline. Those kids work extremely hard. And, uh, and to have it, have that thing finished like that, to, to give up some big plays and get down and then make a play like that to seal the deal was, was huge. Yeah, and you were talking about Spites, you know, kind of rolling his ankle there in the first half and, and some of the young guys coming in to take the place in the second half. Correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't one of them uh, number 10, Murray, coming into the secondary? Because I thought that young man played an excellent game uh, in the second half of that ball game, stepping up, had a, had a crucial, in my opinion, one of a, a crucial defensive uh, stop right there as he was able to bat the ball away in the end zone uh, for for the Blue Devils. Yeah, yeah, and Ronald Murray, you know, and he's a he's a starting corner for us. But then when when Dietrich went down, he's our next quarterback. You know, and and I tell you, Ronald Murray is about five five, a whopping hundred and thirty seven pounds, soaking <laughs> wet. Uh, but that is a he's got the heart of a champion. He is a true competitor. He's a kid who just gets after it. So what happened when he went to four back? I had to play three sophomores in the secondary. But when it came crunch time, he said, "Coach, I, I, I want to be in." I, I'm, I said, "I can go cover." And and for him, you know, he had, he had given he got beat earlier in the game. For him to make that play to drive that slant right there was a uh, was you know we were on our heels a little bit right there. But when he drove that slant and, and broke it up, almost picked it off. Yeah, our guys, you could just see him settle in. Okay, we got this. We got. We can do this. And uh, and to see him bounce back and to respond and come up in a big in a big moment was uh, it was really exciting to see. Great stuff there, Chris and uh, Chris Penton, a defensive coordinator for the Pro Central Blue Devils and uh, high school football. It, unless you're off, it comes every Friday night. You don't get a whole lot of time to enjoy that first district win as you as the defensive coordinator have already, I'm sure, popped the tape in and seen the Wesley kid at quarterback over at Wayne County, and that's where y'all will go on Friday night. Just describe what you've already seen on them and what you're anticipating out of Wayne County. Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, you know, not looking ahead, this, this is where we are. We are, and we knew this was, we told those guys this, it was, we were, the preseason was done. The first four games, that's preseason. District play is what determines how we're going to – the road to the playoffs started against Long Beach High School, and it was it was crucial for us to come out of there with a win, and we did that. So the next two games, yet yeah, we're traveling to Wayne County, traveling to Hattiesburg. So, uh, you know, our work is cut, cut out for us. We hear Hattiesburg's pretty good, but right now we got Wayne County. Um, Wesley, the quarterback, uh, kids in five games, he's already carried the ball 97 times. Uh, he is a – you know, basically like a minute, a little, a little bit smaller. Cam Newton basically mm-hmm. is what we're going to be facing. So we're we're 
we're pretty excited for the opportunity uh, to defend them. You know, they're a spread team. They're going to spread you out, but they don't spread you out to really throw it. They're 75% pass, 25% run. Um, great athlete. Uh, to me, in my opinion, probably the best football player uh, that we have faced will be the best football player we face this season. So our work is cut out for us. But we are excited. Uh, the kids are excited for the challenge. Um, I don't expect them to back down from anything. I expect them to, to take it just like we take any game. We go in over there to, for an opportunity to start 2-0 in the district, and that's, that's what we intend to do. Chris, we uh, certainly appreciate your time, man. Get back in the film room, but – uh, a friend of mine and uh, as good a young defensive coordinator as you'll find. Chris, thank you for your time, brother. I appreciate it, Clay. We'll move straight into college football. The uh, guys there playing on Saturdays as we've come off the, the high school ranks and move into college ball. And uh, a surprising game as well will start. Startville um, – when you look at Mississippi State, they went on the road up to Kentucky, and this is a team a lot of uh, experts had picked to win a lot of ball games. They got off to a rough start in SEC play as Kentucky, and I don't want to use the word manhandled, but between uh, them not being able to run the football and then all of the penalties, I believe they almost had double uh, penalty yards that they had rushing, and Kentucky uh, kind of took it to them on Saturday night there and and Jeff not the start that a lot of people expected for the Mississippi State Bulldogs going on the road and taking a, a loss to Kentucky you know we talked about Mississippi State a good bit in our previews back before the season started and you had mentioned you listen to the people on the SEC network you listen to people on ESPN they're talking they picked Mississippi State to kind of battle Alabama for that West title but on the other side of that coin, you have a, and I'm going to say it, a tough opponent out of the east in Kentucky. Kentucky went down a couple weeks ago and beat Florida. Everybody thought it was a fluke. Everybody thought, you know, ooh, Kentucky beat them. But now Kentucky sets 3-0 and in the east uh, for the SEC and beat a very tough west side opponent in Mississippi State. And, yeah, beat them pretty good if you watched any of that coverage on ESPN. It was it was not a very close ball game from the get-go. Yep, and Coach Moorhead and that staff, uh, some really weird stuff is when you go back and kind of look at the penalty yardages, way over 100 yards and, and yardage uh, marked off in the wrong direction for the Bulldogs. So uh, not the way that they wanted to start. And SEC, uh, tough on the road at, at any point. And speaking of the road, uh, Florida and Coach Dan Mullen will bring his club over to uh, Startful, and that should be a fine environment there Saturday as there will not be any love loss uh, between <laughs> Coach Mullen coming back uh, to Startful. Uh, just a kind of a weird uh, way that they parted ways there. And, and uh, now when you look at Mississippi State, that's a really big ball game. Yeah. They need that one, and Florida's not going to be a pushover coming in. So that's going to be a game full of intrigue. Well, you hate to say a must win this early. But Florida's another east side, and SEC loss is an SEC loss. So I would say this is a kind of a must win to get them back on track, to even tie it up at one and one uh, in the SEC play. So, yeah, uh, this, this, this is kind of a must win for Mississippi State. Another game in SEC action that uh, probably has the, the eyes of a lot of our listeners. Ole Miss will travel over to LSU. They're the late game over yeah. in Baton Eight Rouge. o'clock late. Yeah, late. <laughs> And so uh, I've heard it uh, said that, you know, the difference between uh, a afternoon game at LSU and then that late, late right. game is that you could smell the bourbon circulating <laughs> in the stands if it was a day game. But if it was that late, late game, you could actually smell it all the way down on the field. So that should be a live environment over at Red Stick on uh, Saturday night. Yep, and, and it always is. And and Ole Miss was in a battle this past week. Uh, it was a close ball game at halftime and then got into an extended rain delay. And then Ole Miss finally able to pull it out. But that's going to be another uh, – LSU is kind of surprising people. They're all, their defense, they said they knew was going to be there. Offense surprising people too. So, LSU's uh, got off to a good start. Yep, it be interesting to kind of keep an eye on that one. Uh, a game that's of particular note – uh, to you and I, both Southern Miss guys, we don't hide from that fact. Southern Miss will go on the road 
over to Auburn after a big win over Rice a week ago. Southern Miss runs their record out uh, to 2-1 and one with that win at Southern Miss. And to dive deeper into that ball game, we have the pleasure and honor of uh, getting to visit with Lee Roberts. Lee, a guy that uh, was a really good football really player good. at the quarterback yes. uh, position for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles. Uh, won conference championships back in 96 and in 97. He's a member of the M Club Hall of Fame at Southern Miss for the numbers and uh, for his leadership there at the quarterback position for those teams. So we dive deeper into the Southern Miss-Auburn matchup here with Lee Roberts. We're here with a Bank Plus interview with Lee Roberts, color commentator for the radio broadcast, uh, sitting alongside John Cox and also former quarterback for the Southern Miss Golden Eagles, won the conference championships back in 1996 and 97. Lee played a quarterback position there from 1995 through 98 on some great Southern Miss clubs. So we certainly appreciate you taking some time for the podcast tonight, Lee. Yeah, absolutely, man. Glad I can do it. Appreciate you guys having me. Lee, when you look at this Southern Miss club, get off to a, a two-and-one start and uh, have have played really two good ball games. Got a opening conference win against Rice last week. Started off uh, the season with a dominant win against Jackson State, and then in week two, kind of had a clunker performance against uh, Louisiana Monroe. What do you take out of these uh, first three ball games, Lee? You know, there's a lot to to take out of these three games, and you know, just kind of start with game one against Jackson State. I mean, we got started just like we wanted to get started. We, we got started fast offensively, defensively. We played really good and solid all all game. And we were able to move the football, put up a lot of points. We we really didn't have much of a running game in game one or game two. I know Jackson State had done some things defensively to kind of load up the block, the box and kind of prevent the run, and which, which allowed us to uh, throw the football a little bit. And, you know, hats off to you know, Jack Abraham for what he's been able to do this year so far in, in just three games and the percentage that he's put up, the numbers that he's put up, the touchdown. And uh, I know he'd like to have back a couple of the interception passes that he's thrown, but that's, you know, you take, you take your growing pains with, uh, with the pluses. And I'd say he's a guy, he's a competitor and he's going to continue to play well for this, for this team. But, you know, against Jackson state, like I said, we, you know, we played. We came out fast and and did what we needed to, and um, was able to open up with a big win. And as we moved into Game Two against Monroe, we knew Monroe coming in was going to be a good team. You know, their team and uh, the Sun Belt that it's going to you know compete and fight for a championship this year. And you know, their coach has done an unbelievable job getting them ready. And you know, it's tough to lose a game like that at home, and uh, you know, especially in such a in a close fashion. But you really you take away one play, take away a. Uh, fumble with the favorite cover in the end zone for a touchdown, and that's really the difference in that game. And uh, you know, again, some some bumps, some bruises along the way, but they were able to piece piece a lot of things back together with uh, with the unexpected open week and open up conference play this past weekend. And again, I don't know what it is against Rice, but offensively we put up a bunch of numbers against Rice. I don't know in 2008, Austin Davis had a ton of yards in uh, in 2000. 14 or so, I believe, or 15, Nick Mullins threw for almost 600 yards. And, of course, Jack Abraham Saturday threw for over 425 yards. So, offensively, we've been very solid against Rice. And that was a that was a great way to start the, start, start the conference play. Yeah, it was, Lee. And when you look at where you fall on some of those all-time passing lists, Rice hadn't done any, you any recent uh, favors. They've kind of nudged you down some with what uh, these guys recently have done through the passing game against them. In your breakdown, you know, it is. go ahead, Lee. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say it, it is. I'll tell you, Rice is. Uh, I mean, we've been very, very fortunate. Matter of fact, somebody asked me at the game on Saturday if I had ever thrown for over 400, and you know, my career best was was 398. So uh, had, didn't make that 400 club. But there, there are six different quarterbacks for six different games that you know Southern Miss quarterbacks have thrown over 400 yards. So very, uh, very big accomplishment there for those guys. Lee, in your breakdown of those uh, first three, you mentioned the unscheduled off week uh, due to the hurricane over at Appalachian State, not able to play that ball game. 
But in that week, it looked like the offense, some new guys in the backfield, and then some new ideas utilizing this talented wide receiver core in some different ways. And then to see the two new backs in the backfield against Rice, that looked exceptional. The ideas and the new guys really helped this offense this past week. You know, it did. And uh, if you look at just what we've done offensively, again, you know, our rushing yards, Saturday we went over the 120-yard mark, but prior to that we really haven't. But if you take into account some of these wide receivers catching the ball and those those quick jet passes, you know, right behind the line of scrimmage, we we utilize that in in a running attack. Although that goes down as a you know a catch and a completion, but you're you're right. We've got some some very talented receivers. You know, Jalen Adams that. You know, he got started at Edmond Road with that type of play, scoring the very first play. Wes Watkins has been a guy that has been very, very talented. Um, Tim Jones is, a, is another guy that, that's coming along. And, you know, Jordan Mitchell, another one that has, you know, battled some injuries, but he's going to be a guy down the stretch we're going to rely on as well. And then Saturday we got to see Neil McLaurin, who is a very talented Juco transfer as well. So, I mean, you know, we're not as deep at, at the wide receiver position as we'd like to be, but we're probably more talented this year than we have been in, in many years, and that's going to it's gonna do nothing but get better as the year goes on as well. And so we're going to rely on those guys and, you know, catching those quick passes and those screens and, you know, them becoming athletes and making the first guy miss and, you know, taking as, as long as, as far as they can. So very excited for our wide receiver position. And I know Jack Abraham is excited to have those that core receivers. Coach Scotty Walden has done an unbelievable job getting those guys ready each week. We're joined by Lee Roberts, color analyst for your Southern Miss Golden Eagles on the Bank Plus interview. And uh, from your vantage point and from your experience playing that quarterback position, talk about the throw. I believe it was in the first half uh, last week. Jack Abraham threw an absolute dime. I believe it was to Mitchell uh, on that right hash mark and just a beautiful pass. I believe I'm, I'm remembering that correctly. Yes, it's the one I'm thinking of. It was headed headed uh, in the north direction towards uh, you know, the football field house. And, you know, Jordan Mitchell, again, I mentioned a while ago, is one of those guys that's going to be exceptional. And, you know, a couple plays prior to that, his first catch in the game was just a wide receiver screen. But, you know, had a little, he, he tripped up and, um, I actually asked him in the interview post game about it, and he said, uh, "He said, yeah, I totally just just tripped up, but but I made the point that hey, you know, good athletes and good wide receivers come back and they just keep competing, and you know he did, and Jack threw an excellent pass him running up the hash mark um, on the right side of the field, and Jordan made a great catch, and so I know Jack's excited for having guys like that, and and uh, these guys are just gonna gonna get better, but Jordan Mitchell's a, a, a very talented guy, you know, right here." You know, he's from the Hattiesburg area, so a, a local guy to Southern Miss, and you know, we're glad he's helped and able, able to produce. Lee, when you look at these first three ball games, there were so many question marks really on both sides of the ball, and then when you had the Griggs suspension, there's a, a major question mark that goes right up. Abraham's answered uh, most of those questions through these first three games, but now that we've seen the Golden Eagles through three, how do you think that projects through the rest of this uh, conference schedule and through the rest of the year? Yeah, you know, our conference schedule is going to get, I mean, obviously it's going to get tougher each and each week. And, and we're going to face some some teams that throw the ball very, very well. And um, I think defensively we're, we're playing better than expected probably right now. You know, up front we knew we were going to be talented. We've got several guys that are, you know, able to hold the line of scrimmage and put pressure on the quarterbacks. I know we haven't had a ton of sacks thus far. I'm sure that's something that we would like to improve. But we're having excellent play from the linebacker position. Guys like Jeremy Sankster and uh, Rakeem Booth, Paxton Shrimpster, uh, Sherrod Ruff. I mean, just just to name a few of those guys. Those guys are talented and, and deep, and they can they can make plays and, and go laterally on the field to uh, cover guys as well. And then in the secondary, where well, we lost, I seven seniors in the secondary pretty much lost our whole secondary. Um, the only guy we really had back was from, from injury Picasso Nelson jr. But we've had guys step up, um, you know, Rashawn Mitchell, who's, who's had interceptions. We've had Ty Williams who's, who's made plays. Those guys in the back end have, have done good and they've, they've done what they've been coached to do. And I know, uh, Eddie Hicks and, uh, has done an extremely job coaching the corners and, 
uh, Coach Billings with the safety. So it, it's been an area of focus, and I've had some guys come in and they've competed. And what you've seen is, you know, definitely each and each week those guys getting better. And one thing they've tried to do is is create opportunities to get the ball back for the offense, and we've been able to do that. We've missed some as well, but we've we've definitely had the opportunity to get some takeaways, and uh, we've made made the most of most of those. And one of those Saturday almost went back for a touchdown, so it was good to see. Lee Robert Lee, this is uh, Jeff Lassette talking, and just you've been in the locker room on that Golden Eagle uh, football field in in that field house talking to players. Uh, we've experienced the the three words that everybody knows around Hattiesburg: anyone, anywhere, anytime. And we've seen Southern face opponents in the past. I was there at Legion Field when they beat Alabama twenty-one to nothing. We've went up to Nebraska and played. What is as you're experiencing the locker room, what is going through the mindset of these young men now as they face a tough opponent, of course, SEC powerhouse in the East uh, for Auburn, uh, getting ready with that mentality, anyone, anywhere, anytime? You know, these guys, you know, they, they come to Southern Miss, you know, to, to play good football. They know that's one thing that Southern Miss is going to do is we're going to go on the road and we're going to play, you know, we're going to play the power five schools and, we're going to compete in Conference USA, but you know that our, our players know that that we practice just like they practice, and you know although that they're on the Alabama team or the Auburn team or or what have you, the LSU's that we played in the past, we we know it's going to be a, a tough environment just because of of who that is and the support that they they bring along. But you know we uh, we're a team that and week in week out you know prepare and year in year out we uh, we compete against these teams and. And I know their their mindset is, hey, we're going to go to Auburn and we're going to focus and we're going to do like we've been prepared, and uh, we, we're going to go do our best and and try to put up a W. And uh, and I know that's that's what these guys are going to compete for. So, you know, we've got we're kind of a game behind right now just because of the open week, but you know we've got to use that to our advantage. And then next week as well, uh, we'll take an open week. So this is this is a big week for Southern Miss because these guys get a chance to you know, go compete again against a, a Power 5 school. So I'm excited about that, and I know they are as well. Lee, when you look a week back and, and conference, so it hits home to us as as we follow Southern Miss, but Old Dominion uh, beats Virginia Tech. What would Southern Miss have to do to pull off uh, something like that on the road at Auburn on Saturday afternoon? You know, one thing, we, we're going to have to protect the football. We're going to have to dominate the line of scrimmage. We're going to have to – you know, create uh, turnover opportunities and just not give up the big play, whether it be on offense or on defense. But offensively, we can't make mistakes, and defensively, we, we can't give up those big plays. So, you know, we're going to have to go play Southern Miss football, and we're going to have to grind it out. And I know we're going to want to move fast and try to have a lot of plays offensively. And uh, defensively, we're going to move around and fly around and try to uh, confuse their quarterback a little bit and, Hey, not to take anything away from Auburn. I mean, they are an unbelievable football team, but you know, we feel like we are too, and we've got the opportunity, and that's what we're going to do. So, I think we've got to play a, a near perfect game this weekend. Like I said, Auburn's a great team, and, and they're going to be ready as well. Lee and um, the the pitcher will be there on the SEC network, but we can listen to you and uh, Coxie give us a, a great call on Saturday afternoon, and we appreciate. Uh, y'all describing the action for Southern Miss fans, and we certainly appreciate all you've done for the university there. So thank you for joining the podcast, Lee. Hey, thanks so much. Appreciate you guys for uh, having me on, and thanks for listening on game day. So appreciate what you guys do as well. Thank you, Lee. Special guest to tonight's podcast, John Wiener with Bash Brothers Media. And, John, thank you for joining Jeff and I on the podcast, man. We appreciate you taking time. I'm glad to be here. Appreciate you guys having me on. How y'all doing? Good. Doing great, brother. Tell us, John, uh, for our listeners down here on the south end of the state, we know that you're heavily involved in the Jackson uh, media market there, but Bash Brothers Media, Between the Pines, uh, presented by C Spire. A lot of our listeners have already seen the trailer rolled out on social media and the hype behind this thing due to just how well done the little trailer is. Tell our listeners what they're in for this fall with uh, Between the Pines. 
Well, I appreciate that. We're excited about it. Uh, Between the Pines is just a documentary series on Mississippi's greatest sports stories. And if you live in this state, that needs no explanation why that story needs to be told. Uh, this state, you know, has a sports history and a passion and a legacy, really, like no other. And we set out to put that story on screen. It's a story that's been, you know, waiting to be told in terms of looking at the state as a whole. There's certainly been, you know, features on the Mannings and, uh, you know, the Mississippi State Loyola team and lots of different great stories. But we wanted to, you know, look at it as a whole and tell tell the story of Mississippi, not just sports, but how sports shapes our state and really is our state and its culture. And that's what we're trying to do with the series. It's sort of a 30 for 30 model, I would say, in that it's one series, but each episode is sort of its own story uh, and its own episode. And so we, we couldn't be more excited about Seaspire presenting it and uh, kicking it off this fall. Yeah, we appreciate John Wiener on our Mugshots Grill and Bar interview on tonight's podcast. And John, when you when you talk about these stories, it, the stories need to be told. And when you look across our state, of course, we're doing a, a podcast here to talk sports. You have um, your your shows that you do in the Jackson area. We were actually getting you after you're just coming off the air there. The storytellers uh, here in the state, when you had me, when, when Rick Cleveland flashes, you had me. So uh, the, the stories have lended themselves to uh, Jack Crystal, Rick Cleveland, John Cox, and I know I'm missing a bunch, but these stories have been told, and then uh, the people that have told them have almost become legends. Yeah, that's part of it. I mean, there's sort of a two-pronged history in Mississippi, I mean, certainly with food and music is a big part of it, but as Rick says, sports and storytelling, they are two of the the fabrics of our society, especially in the rural areas, which most of, you know, Mississippi still is, and historically, and we we feel appreciated, you know, uh, certainly honored to, you know, have guys like Rick in our film, and um, to, you know, be at least trying to do the same kind of thing, you know, we want to treat Mississippi's greatest sports stories with, with the level that it, it deserves and, um, you know, the legacy of, of storytelling that we have, as you point out, not just sports. And so you hit the nail on the head. To do it on screen really has never been done uh, at this level, which we're excited about. And, and we couldn't be, you know, more grateful to people like Rick Cleveland who've opened a lot of doors for us. And a neat thing about this has been all of the different groups and institutions in Mississippi who pitched in to make this possible because they believe and support, you know, what we're doing and telling this story and Mississippi's greatest sports stories for the whole state. And that's from everybody to the Mississippi sports hall of fame, where we did a lot of our interviews and obviously, you know, shot some footage and the Clarion ledger, which supplied us all of their archives for the university of South Panola, especially uh, the Mississippi department of archives and, and the university of, you know, Mississippi, Ole Miss and Mississippi state together, in terms of working with us to get, you know, footage and rights and clearances that we've had to get. And it's taken a lot of people in Mississippi beyond just us and, and the people that we have in the production to make it possible. Yeah, and you and you talk about that teamwork. Um, you and your brother, uh, Bash Brother Media. So which one is Conseco and which one is <laughs> McGuire, John? I was always McGuire. I was always <laughs> McGuire. Uh, my, I think some of my passwords still end in 25. I won't tell you guys the rest of them, but that number 25 <laughs> in my life is never far. That was our first sports love, guys, and that's kind of what it comes back to. Um, I guess I was six years old in 1992, so I was a baseball guy growing up. It was all I wanted to do, and McGuire and Seiko were sort of our first sports heroes, and we used to enact them in the yard and honestly tell stories with them. I'd play McGuire and he'd play Conseco and we would just uh, lay out the whole thing. And it, for whatever reason, it just clicked when we came back to this. We threw around a couple of different names and we were drinking a six pack out at the reservoir actually and just sharing old times and hit on Bash Brothers Media and it, it just made a lot of sense for us. Awesome stuff, man. And you've alluded to it. Tell us, uh, John, the, the first two episodes, uh, the titles, and, and kind of what they will let us have a peek into. 
Well, the first one is the University of South Nova, episode one, and it will debut on October 13th, the Saturday, October 13th, and it'll be on WLOX for y'all folks down on the coast. And I know you have listeners statewide, so we're going to be on a network of stations really across Mississippi and Memphis. But the first episode is the University of South Panola, and guys, if you're going to tell a story on high school football in mm. Mississippi, it's that one. Yeah, I would say this is the one that, I've had it in my head for the longest. It was a no-brainer for us to start with high school football and to start with South Panola. And obviously people know the dynasty and the run that they had with the winning streak and the national championship in 2010. Um, but we really tell the story of, of how it started also, kind of how it came to be in a town like Batesville, Mississippi. Can you imagine uh, being the number one program, you know, in America and sort of how that rise started from the rubble, but also the impact that it had on high school football in Mississippi that we're seeing today where um, I won't give it all away, but it's a very different landscape in Mississippi and everybody has bought in and, and the level of play has gone up so much because of what South Panola accomplished and the way they really just left everybody else. Um, and, and the characters, the people involved, the community and faithful uh, just is all so unique and intriguing. But when it gets down to it, the University of South Panola kind of is a no-brainer and needs no explanation, I think, really, for anybody who, who knows football in this state. And, John, when you dove into that, just some of those last names. I mean, I, I'm we're guys here in Picayune, and some of those last names on that roster that seem to keep – appearing through yeah. that run and that long winning streak, they became like household or familiar <laughs> names uh, to guys this down this deep in the South. And so now I just can't wait to see it, man. I'm pumped. Well, thanks, man. We're excited. Uh, you know, we were able to go get to Shea Townsend and went all the way to Nashville to talk with him. And we kind of go by era. I would say there were sort of three coaches and three different runs that defined South Panola, Willis Wright, and that great group in the early 90s that started it with Dwayne Rudd and Deshae Townsend. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, both of those guys went off. Deshae won two Super Bowls, and Dwayne Rudd, what a great player he was, and so many guys on that early team. And then certainly the Ricky Woods era in the mid-2000s when they had the streak and, and won 60 in a row under Woods. And then Lance Pogue and his national championship team and up until the present day. So the coaches are such a big part of it as are the players and those names. Um, and we were uh, we were excited to get to talk with a lot of them. And you said it, guys, those those families, that, that bloodline there in Batesville, there's nothing like it, and we really dive into it. Mm -hmm. And then the vet, John, when you started diving into the special games yeah. that have been played there and the special athletes that have that – have, <laughs> grace that field uh what was that like for you i mean i i would assume i mean you describe yourself as a sports guy but did you learn plenty through this process it was an amazing experience um to get to talk with people like archie manning and willie cotton and john bond and get their experiences as true legends playing in that stadium but we did learn a lot and what we learned so much was in addition to the great football games and players that have been there and played on that field, which is really everybody, you name it, in Mississippi, even Brett Favre and Jerry Rice and Steve McNair, uh, up until the present day, you know, our, our great legends played on that field and even in the high school championships beyond that. Certainly the great games that were played there, but how that stadium really shaped Mississippi society as a whole, all the way back to World War II through the Civil Rights Movement, the 70s and 80s, uh, the economics of football, how it shaped football in Mississippi, and what happened to it in the present day uh, in terms of why the schools don't play there anymore. And there was so much history and things and controversy that we learned about the the disputes over the stadium and the, the whole discussion of, uh, you know, why and when and, and how the colleges were playing there and how that changed over the years and, and – that was really, I think, the neat thing to me is how you, you see Memorial Stadium as a really a reflection and a prism of this state and really a, a, such a, an agent of action and change in this state throughout all of the decades since its, since its inception uh, to the present day. And, and I think that's really the turn of, of the key with this film. Once again, we're joined by John Wiener. 
uh, from Bash Brothers Media here on uh, interview brought to you by Mugshots Grill and Bar. And, and John, we you got episode one, South Panola. You got episode two, The Vet. Typically when there's an episode one and there's an episode two, is there anything uh, that y'all might be in the works as uh, some more stuff coming out? to explore other things uh, and other avenues throughout the state too. Maybe is there, do we have to look forward to maybe a three and a four? Is this might be a, a running thing you and your brother do? Well, there's no question about it. We have it planned and we certainly hope so. Uh, this is the first time we're doing this. It's the first time the TV stations are doing this to this level and Star as well. And everybody has made a commitment and a leap of faith in a lot of ways. So, we're excited to get this initial stuff done and kind of roll it all out for the first time. We certainly have plans for more in 2019 that we can't wait for, that obviously I can't quite speak on yet. I will say that um, there's a wealth of stories in Mississippi. The one thing that we don't have is a shortage of great sports stories to tell. And, guys, that's one reason why we did a series as opposed to uh, doing one film you know, where you get done with it and it's sort of like, hey, now what? Or, you know, you do your film festival circuit. The idea for the series just gives us such potential to keep telling these stories, as you said. So we, we have so many that we want to tell. I, I can only hope that, and we certainly have a plan, uh, that there'll be a lot more episodes to come. Well, at least you hadn't little waned us. We at least do have a release date uh, for these first two episodes. <laughs> so we're, we're happy about that anyway. Definitely. And that took long enough, I tell you what, to project and get all these different TV affiliates on board that, you know, aren't necessarily on the same umbrella network. A lot of them are. And uh, that took a, a lot of doing. We didn't want to just put this on YouTube. You know, a lot of people have told me, well, where are the films? And, you know, if, if we were just going to put them on YouTube or put them online, uh, they probably would have been ready sooner. But we wanted the entire state to be able to see this and appreciate it and to be able to have a structure in place where we got a lot more runs. Um, so even just getting those first two dates, October 13th and November 17th, uh, took a lot of doing kind of hopefully to, to have it at the level that we got it to. John, we've talked about uh, the big project that you're currently working on and, and what you do with Bash Brother Media. On a, on a more day-to-day -day basis, uh, where can our listeners uh, find you and tune in to the things that uh, you're involved on in a more day-to-day -day basis? Well, thanks. I appreciate it. We've got uh, Monday night, i got the John Wiener Show, which is on ESPN 105.9 The Zone. All this stuff is on ESPN 105.9 that I do. I was there uh, every day for three years on Afternoon Drive and then uh, left every day to start this company back in 2016 but i'm on monday nights on the zone 1059.com and wednesday nights we have a fun new show d1 weekly with uh mike Esty and Dion hodges that's Dion's good stuff played at moss point and played at southern miss uh, and of course you know mike Esty. so we're really enjoying that show i encourage all college football fans in the state to tune in to our d1 weekly show that's wednesday nights at Six on the zone 1059 uh we have you know big guests mike and dion have a lot of great connections you know in college and the pros and uh, i've been doing it for a while so we try to get good guests on there as well uh so monday and wednesday night on espn 1059 the zone and then i do a little high school football tv on friday nights here in the metro so you uh passed jake wimberley in a hall some sometimes up there he's a, a friend of the podcast I had beers with Jake Wimberly last night, as a oh, matter of wow. fact. That's the guy. Jake, Jake's uh, one of the best guys doing it, first and foremost, and he's doing a great job at ESPN 105.9. We actually did a shared remote show up at uh, Legend Bar and Grill here in the area, and Jake came up there and hopped on with me for half an hour. Yeah, Jake, Jake's the man, man. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm just trying to live up to what Jake's doing sometimes, it feels like. Yeah, I'm get, trying to get him to project my life out with that hourglass <laughs> formula he's putting together. Hey, that hourglass is looking a little faulty these days. I don't know what you got. <laughs> yeah, we, we haven't talked no, we to him. We might have to re-examine that hourglass. We haven't yeah. talked to him lately, lately John, yeah. about that I think it's, it's maybe down just a little bit this year. No, Jake's doing good stuff with that hourglass. We have fun. You got to sell. I mean, 
uh, me and Jake and Chris Brooks, we give each other hell all the time, but only because we, we like each other so much. And, and John, tonight we kind of backed you up a little bit, or you backed us up. You were talking golf, and uh, we're yeah. going to kind of go off script here, but Tiger Woods winning this past weekend and then Ryder Cup action starting. What a time to be a golf fan, huh? How much fun was that huh, on Sunday uh, to turn off the football at three and look at that amazing scene? Tiger just moves the needle like no other. You guys hear it a thousand times, and I think Sunday was the, the, the best example of it. Really one of the coolest golf moments I've ever witnessed and, and in Tiger's career, which are really one and the same. I mean, I grew up with Tiger like you guys did. I was 11 years old in 97 when he won the Masters, and it's been a love affair ever since, and I think with so much of the media today, as well as golfers and golf fans, the media, that's what they grew up experiencing. So uh, there's just across the board, it was such a cool story, and it was made into so much. And I thought that scene on Sunday with him walking up the 18th oh, with man. an army around him really, really justified what all that was about. And then you move to the Ryder Cup this week with Tiger going in in fine form. And uh, my one worry is that Tiger and Phil sort of, you know, can dominate the, the headlines in the locker room in some ways. And that was what has got us into trouble in the past, honestly, was being a, a very sort of star-driven, you know, not having the, the team concept like the Europeans do. Um, I, people think Tiger has changed there and he'll be a big asset. Um, so that worry aside, having Tiger and Phil in with this group and the Ryder Cup and uh, how much fun they are and what a great team Europe has, I, I can't wait for this weekend. I'm going to try to squeeze it in in between Ole Miss and LSU. And I think the good thing, though, is it's 2 in the morning, so football won't yep. get in the way. I'm going to stay up late and pour up a bourbon or two and settle in. John, when you look at uh, what you're – doing there with the series some of the intrigue i found from this end of the state was the rise and the fall a couple different times and then i, I guess they haven't gone back to that level even south panola when you talk about tiger woods we love to build people up tear them back yeah. down then pull for them to to come back up so that was kind of the intrigue uh with this program that you dove deep into on this between the pines also yeah, and it made it challenging with USP. Um, was, are we telling a current-day story, or is this story in the past? And, you know, when we started filming, I, I, you know, this has been almost a two-year project. It was in fall of 2016 when we produced a lot of this stuff and had to really suspend production for a while because we just ran out of money, guys. Um, but, you know, even at the time, um, there was a question of, is South Panola still doing this? Are they still obviously not the level that they were? But, you know, is this a story about what they did or sort of who they are in the present day? And that was a tension for us. And um, we, we deal with that in terms of, you know, it's not possible what mm -hmm. they did. It's nope. not close. And Ricky Woods said as much when he went back to South Panola. I, I don't know that he realized it was going to be as difficult as it is, the world has changed in terms of the importance of high school football and uh, sort of where people have success. You know, Metro programs are, are a lot stronger than they were 15 years ago, I think is a great example of it when you look at Clinton and Pearl. Yep. Winning championships for the first time, guys. Clinton and Pearl had never won a championship, but everybody has bought in and everybody has, um, you know, raised their level of football because there, there was such a, a high standard uh, set in place, so it, 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 it'll be interesting to see what South Canola does. Obviously, what they what they did, you know, won't won't be duplicated again, and and we get into that. But um, it, it is it, it's a mark of that program, I, I would say, just how much of an impact that they had. That now, you know, their expectations for themselves are, are very hard to reach. Absolutely, even when you look at what West Point has done recently. That was always my reference point. Like, okay, they're on a, a pretty good little roll here, but they're not in that cat. You know, there's still a, certainly the reference point to any uh, program across our state, or I would say across the South, that really begins to roll up year after year. So uh, a lot of intrigue. I can't wait uh, for that first episode to drop on October 13th. Tell us one more time, uh, John, where the – 
of where the people interested in this can see it and find it on that October 13th date? So October 13th will be on WLOX, the Lux City. Uh, we're on different times on different stations throughout that day. So everything will be on October 13th. I would encourage you to just go online to ceasefire.com slash between the pines where you can get all of the local listings in terms of the television stations. Uh, but we'll be on WLOX, Biloxi. I, I don't even have the time in front of me. I, I think we're late night, actually, Saturday night after the news, WLOX and Biloxi. So 1030 Saturday, October 13th, and um, we'll, we'll be uh, WBAM Hattiesburg, WLBT Jackson, WTOK Meridian, uh, WCBI Columbus, and WMC Memphis all on October 13th. But the times will vary, so uh, just do me a favor and head to ceasefire.com slash between the pines, and you can see all of the official, you know, specific information. John, man, we certainly appreciate you spending time with the podcast tonight, and uh, I hope this won't be our last visit, man. I hope we can have you on from time to time to come back and uh, talk some ball with us. You guys call me anytime. I love talking ball with you, apart from the series. So I certainly appreciate it. Uh, you guys having me on tonight, and and keep up the good work. Definitely give me a call. I look forward to coming back. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. Stay tuned for more episodes in the weeks to come.